Hey y'all, it's Jonna. This episode is kicking off our month-long deep dive into fair trade. And maybe you're listening to this and you're like, guys, I want you to talk about, you know, all your hard-hitting subjects, such as like Mean Girls and a gift guide. But bear with us. I promise you're going to learn something. I promise you'll enjoy the conversation. I mean, at one point in our conversation with Karen, she mentions a guy and his work in Thailand with beavers. I mean, if you can just casually throw that in a conversation, you're a pretty amazing person. And Karen is just that. You will learn a lot from her. Um, You will love her like we do. And I'm excited for y'all to get to just learn a little more about the fair trade industry, what it really means, and how you can maybe start to adapt and add it into your life. I mean, I kind of liken it to switching to gluten-free, which I am not, but it's going to take some work. It's going to take some um, new habits being formed and forgetting old ones. But I, I know that you're going to be better in so many ways for it. And um, it doesn't mean every area of your life. So this is not a shaming episode. It's anything but. It is so good. And get your notepad ready because I promise Karen is going to like bring some nuggets of wisdom. Hey, Donna. Hey, Laura. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am. It's good. Yeah. It's all it's fine. good. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's fine. Uh-huh. So it's been uh it's been a while since we've uh done this this way. We're not seeing each other, so I know it's sad. Kind of but I'd yeah. still tilted my head and smiled. I, I know. It. I know. It's just like I was looking at my phone, like I was looking at I you. know. And then I had a reflection in my iPad of myself. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't nearly as chipper and cheerful. Oh gosh. I'm excited about today. This I is literally too. one of my favorite people. Like I was telling Will about, um, I was like, he was just kind of going over his day with me. And I said, you know, uh, Laura and I are interviewing Karen Gibbs. And he's like, oh, and I said, she's like the Dos Equis. Um, I mean, I know last time I described her as Oprah, <laughs> which I still stand by. But I was like, she's the most interesting woman in the world. For sure. Um, she's so amazing. I never got to travel with her. I've just met her quite a few times. Um, but you got to travel with her. I did. I did. I got to so, travel with her to... Uh, Peru and to Guatemala one year. Mm, mm. It was well amazing. Color me jealous. <laughs> she is so wise, and she is. She just knows all the things about. Well, she's very warm. There's something just about like you kind of want to sit at her feet and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the ultimate teacher. Yes, and I know guru. I mean, I I just um, think. Someone that is passionate about what they are doing and is changing the world, like that is the kind of people you need to surround yourself with. Oh, so. For sure. For sure. Hey, well, uh, let's get right to it. You want to? Oh, heck yeah. Okay, so today we have, as Jonna called her on last week's episode, the Oprah of Fair Trade with us. We are so excited. <laughs> So excited to have our friend and mentor and just um, 
probably one of the most amazing human beings I've ever had the privilege to spend time with. And um, we're so excited to have Karen Gibbs with us. And she is the co-founder of By Hand Consulting. Um, we met her through and when we were ambassadors or our our ambassadors. Um, and she was our, um, uh, what was your official title, Karen? Oh, goodness. VP like of leader of guru. Partnerships. <laughs> artisan guru. All the artisans. Like yeah. yeah. Uh, artisan leader. expert advisor. I don't know. I had like 15 different titles, I think. Yeah. My favorite was trip leader extraordinaire <laughs> because I had the privilege of traveling uh, with Karen to Peru, which was amazing. And so um, just the, the knowledge that she was able to share with us, the just perspective, I think was such a gift for one of my first out of the country, other than, you know, I've been to Haiti and the Dominican Republic, but never, never to see the things that we saw on that trip. And so that's why we really wanted to kick off this focus on fair trade with Karen, because, well, she just knows her crap, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Add that to your business card, Karen. Um, so, but first, before we get into all the fair trade, Karen, tell us about you. Tell us about Karen Gibbs and your sweet family and, um, beautiful family. Yes. Um, and I've had, I've had the privilege of staying with Karen in her home and she is an amazing hostess and, um, it was so fun to meet your family. So tell us about you. What makes you tick? What makes me tick? Oh my goodness. So... (laughs) So I currently live in Boulder, Colorado, but I'm a California girl through and through. So I'm, but I'm an oceans and mountain kind of girl. Like I just love being outside. Um, I do, I have two awesome kids who I cannot believe are now 17 and 19. That just like blows my mind because they're still like one in three, always forever in my heart, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? And my daughter's off at college, living in an apartment, doing everything online, but at least out there in the world and studying environmental science and political science because the girl wants to change the world and save the planet. Gee, I wonder if she's like her mom. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was like, uh, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> Apple didn't fall far from the tree. No. Well, oh, my husband is, um, who I have known since I was 18, is um, a renewable energy entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, you know, he from day one knew he wanted to work on environmental issues and I, from probably day two out of college, figured out I wanted to work with artisan groups around the world. That's so so cool. I'm going to go get my life together. <laughs> <laughs> I, we just had these, like, we figured it out early on, but boy, at that time, right, a bajillion years oh. ago, you wanted to, you know, you went to work for renewable energy and with artisan groups, people are like, yeah, good luck. Just call us when you want a real job. You know? Yeah, you were like a bona fide hippie. You totally freak. Like, yeah, good luck for that. That sounds like a great idea, but like family on that one, guys. Yeah. Um, but we did. And I have a 17-year-old son who's a big athlete, um, had a big injury this last year and has really figured out that like sports is not just about competition, but it's about mental health. 
And so he is on this path to like study kinesiology and psychology. Cause he's like, if we're going to stay cool. healthy in our head, we got to stay healthy in our body. And yeah. So I love there, it. Yeah. So awesome. um, I have two dogs who will very likely bark in the background <laughs> because that's the way life is. If you don't have kids in the background making noise, you get dogs. Like, uh -huh. yeah. yeah, there you go. I like it. Um, yeah. And I had a really lucky career path because I had what I call my career epiphany, like right out of college, where I was like, I want to work with beautiful things and helping um, people in remote parts of the world sell their beautiful things as a way to provide income in parts of the world that need it. Um, and that's what I've spent my whole life doing outside of like my family stuff is, um, yeah. So it's really, it's that combination of like beautiful objects bringing income to rural areas and, you know, areas that are overlooked by our global economy and, um, and doing it through trade. I love it. It's so cool because, uh, this is not yours nor your husband's career path are like, you know, on career day when you're like a senior in high school, and you're like checking boxes. Yeah, yeah. I want to be a doctor or a lawyer. I want to work with artisans and fair trade goods. That's not, but what I love about this, and I started when I teach the retailing class at Mississippi State, we do a unit on fair trade. And I have had so many students over the years just later on message me and say, hey, thanks so much. They never say it about like the financial strategy unit, but like the fair trade, they come back and say, you know, thank you so much for like opening my eyes to that. And I think it's something that we do need to be educated about earlier on because we need more Karen Gibbs in the world. I mean, we need more people doing that. And, and it is, you know, it's something unless you have a conversation like this or a mentor that you're just not going to hear about. So, yeah. um, tell us about by hand, uh, consulting, tell us yeah. about what you're doing now. That's so exciting. Yeah. So we, um, so we offer programs to help artisan businesses around the world, find new markets for their products and build sustainable sales. So, it's a combination of what we'll call kind of education and coaching training program, right? Providing information about like what's happening in the market today and best practices for getting into the market and expanding your sales. And then we do a bunch of marketing activities to help connect artists and businesses with buyers here in the U.S. And then we also work with U.S. brands that want to build sustainable supply chains, ethical supply chains. <clears throat> and connect them to artisan producer groups mm -hmm. that would be the right match for them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like working on both sides of it, right? Helping the artisan producers making the things, find new markets and finding the brands that want to become more fair trade, ethical, sustainable, handmade, helping them find um, artisan groups to work with and understand the best practices of working with artisan groups. So cool. Yeah. And we do talk about in, in that class, we talk about, you know, a lot of people want to, call their products fair trade because they're assembled in mm -hmm. a fair trade <laughs> way but or with with fair trade principles at the assembly point but you know to truly be fair trade and and the heart of fair trade is it starts at the beginning you know if you're yeah. talking about a pair of jeans like where the cotton farmers um paid a fair wage for mm -hmm. what they did to produce the cotton for that gene and so um I think that's really cool that you're, you've got all aspects of that and, and just the consumer education part of it too is, 
is really cool as well. So what does that, what does your day look like? Oh my gosh. What does my day look like? <laughs> so I get up and I have to exercise. Well, no, wait a second. I get up. I have to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> Nobody Thank you. should talk to me, look at me, touch me, nothing until I had that I like cup it. of coffee. And, uh, and preferably like I'm going to sit outside to drink my cup of coffee. There's still nobody talking to me Even <laughs> when I get to the last sip, right. Or when the cup is empty, yeah. then I'm ready for conversation. So that's the first it. thing. And then I also figured out too, I, if I drink two really big glasses of water starting off to beginning of the day, mm, feel so much better. Anyway. Okay. So that's our start that, my day. Help, <laughs> help tips with Karen guys. That's right. Then, that's right. We told y'all she was a guru. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you would be shunned. Yeah. Shunned yeah. If you didn't. We need to stay below the Mason Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> she did not say Dr. Pepper in a donut. Let me no, just lie. No. Like, nobody talks to me until I have my donut and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> After I have my quinoa bowl with avocado oh. and organic. Okay. <laughs> just joking. I'm just joking. Just joking. Kind of. I was about to say, <laughs> pan, pan down on your desk. Let me see what's up. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so once you get your jump start. Once I get my jump start, <laughs> then I go, like, I go on a hike or like do outdoor activity because, you know, I got hiking trails. That's like our gym. Yes. Yeah, like right close to your house. We literally yes. walked out your front door and yes. went two blocks and started hiking a mountain. It was crazy. Yep. yep. No big exactly. deal. Yeah. So I do that. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. And then, um, and then I just like hop on email, been doing tons of webinars these days. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I'll feed any child who comes into my house, which now <laughs> 17 year old boys, um, eat a lot. Yes, so, you know, do. they'll come in they're like, Karen, can you make us food? And I always will. Yes. So there's always this like pause button for any kind of work thing that I do. And then, um, but work, you know, work stuff to me looks like, um, looks like always picking around and looking what's happening in the marketplace. So is that like scanning through Instagram and looking at websites and looking at mail order catalogs and reading every kind of retail report I can get my hands on, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. From from Wall Street Journal to New York Times to like pub, to trade publications to I love reading <clears throat> I love reading all the economic data because if you can't place right numbers numbers speak a, a words right mm -hmm. um, so numbers convince people of something so I was, mm -hmm. always want to try to put this fair trade movement handmade movement in the context of the bigger market because then I think it makes it more relevant to more people sorry I'm being <laughs> um so i don't know how to stop them I'm sorry hey listen i mean it's kind of a big deal it's kind of a big deal the ding i'll get will be like my kid calling to let me know he's coming home yeah that's so. i think this is yeah this is i don't know what it is it's probably excited, somebody whoever. in in east oh, asia yeah. yeah i know i think this is like the group of all the 17 year old and 18 year old moms oh gosh yeah. it's blown it up stop, on a credit uh-huh exactly like what's going on where are they what are they doing anyway yes this is um because so boy you got to keep your eye on those whippersnappers sometimes <laughs> right? i love it i love yes. it oh my um, gosh. uh so then it's um yeah so it's lots of like watching and 
like I think that that's part of my uh, I think it's really, really important, right? Fair trade doesn't live in this isolated little world. It lives, <clears throat> if it's going to make a difference too, mm -hmm. it's going to be part of the mainstream. But that's also my, a big part of my whole philosophy of, of this is that, so when I started in this field a long, long time ago, there was the fair trade, trade world that was very kind of insulated, right? Mm -hmm. They like to mm -hmm. kind of buy from each other, trade with each other, mm -hmm. and very kind of purist about what these ideals were. And if you couldn't reach those ideals, you weren't in the club. And, right. you, and, 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 I, and I totally appreciate that mentality and that approach and that philosophy for certain people. But I came into this and I was like, okay, so they're those fair trade people and they're all trading with each other and mm -hmm. working with each other. But <clears throat> if I want to make a difference in this market, I want to be able to bring fair trade products into the mainstream market, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. if I can bring it into the mainstream market, then we've got a much bigger market that we can try to, you know, much more opportunity for artisans. Mm -hmm. So and I have always been and will always be perfectly fine taking a fair trade product into a target and having it sold without being labeled fair trade. Mm. Because so long as the principles that. are being followed, to me, it doesn't matter if that fair trade label is told onto the consumer or not. Mm -hmm. To me, mm -hmm. what matters is the principles are being met, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I want somebody to go out and buy a product because it is well-priced, it's in the right place, it's mm -hmm. awesome design, and it's good quality for the price. That's why I want them to buy it. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. want them necessarily to buy it because it's fair trade. Mm -hmm. Because if, if they make any excuse for the product, because, well, I'm buying this because it's fair trade, even though it's too expensive. I'm buying this because it's fair trade, even though it's really not that great of a design. Mm -hmm. That's, that you're done. You're, mm -hmm. you're not making Well, then it's just more of a charity purchase. It's I mean, product, exactly what yeah, I call it. A petty product, product. yeah. <clears throat> I'm buying this to help people out. Well, forget it. Go somewhere else. Like, that's not. <laughs> well, because then you're not going to be a repeat buyer. Right? Yeah. It's not you've, sustainable. You've gotten your gold star. <laughs> yeah. And, and I on. also. And I also think it's ultimately patronizing, which, mm -hmm. which I have a really big problem with in this, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. you brought up an interesting point, and it was so funny when you were talking about mainstream, I wrote down Target, um, because Target does have this, I noticed the last couple of times that I've been in there, it's like a whole, I'm going to call it a section um, mm -hmm. in stores where they're drawing attention to artisan made goods. And yep. um, so what do you, how does, how does that, are they legit? Let's first ask, are they legit fair trade or are they kind of like parts and pieces of the process or fair trade? Um, and you know, how does that, how do the artisans feel about that? I guess is, mm -hmm. Okay, let's back up for one second too, because okay. there's two ways that we use the word fair trade. I okay. and and I I say there's capital F, capital T fair trade. Okay, that's the one thing I wanted trade. to ask you. And there's yeah. one word fair trade, and then there's two words fair trade too, correct? Yeah. So I think that there's I kind of I I put it in two different categories. Okay. I put mm -hmm. capital F, capital T fair trade, and then I put lowercase f, lowercase t fair trade. And capital F, capital T fair trade to me means that you're a member of a fair trade organization mm -hmm. and you've been certified mm -hmm. by that organization as being fair trade. So that's like you're a member of um, fair trade USA, fair trade federation, world fair trade organization, or some of these regional fair trade organizations. So, and that they are, 
they're all based on these nine or 10 principles, depending on which organization you're a part of. And you, you know, you, you, you go through a pretty um, rigorous uh, application process to validate that you are capital F, capital T, fair trade, right? And then there's what I call lowercase f, lowercase t, fair trade, which are companies who actually embody the principles of fair trade, right? Okay. But they don't actually go through this membership process or the certification process. In my mind, both of them are equally as good okay. and they're different because even in the, if you're a member of the fair trade federation, right? That means that you can put that fair trade on your products. There's still a sliding scale. Like nobody in that organization is, or not nobody, but they, they accept the fact that you are committed to these principles and you're going to improve over time. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and then people, what I call lowercase f, lowercase t fair trade people are people who've kind of come up with their own definition of principles. They might have a little bit different way. They self-validate it, right? Or they validate it through other organizations. Um, to me, both of those are, are, are good and fine. And to me, um, I consider myself a lowercase f, lowercase t fair trade person. And because I think that brings a bigger marketplace for us okay. because an organization like Target based off of capital F, capital T fair mm -hmm. trade principles, they actually can't, the only way they could say, Target could say that they're practicing fair trade practices is if their whole organization was fair trade. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, okay. That's not possible, right? right. Mm -hmm. Just not yeah. possible. So, so <clears throat> So I think it's great for Target to do something that's fair trade because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even if they better just than nothing. a little bit of it, it's better than nothing. They offer mm -hmm. a huge market share, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so long as they're committed mm -hmm. to the principles of responsible business with artisan groups, then I think it's great because, you know, the person walking down the aisle at Target might not be the person who's going to shop at some other fair trade brands. And if they mm -hmm. get, and if they just like start to think, oh, wow, this is artisan made. What does artisan name mm -hmm. mean really? And they get to, you know, they get exposed to some of these ideas. Then to me, that's great. Mm -hmm. right? Well, I don't feel like people at Target are going to buy something just because it's fair trade because, yeah, you know, as, as much as they would go into like a trunk show or going somewhere else that it's like very specific, like they're going to buy it because they actually like like it mm -hmm. and yeah yep. maybe because yep. they can hide it in their grocery bill <laughs> yeah so. uh-huh totally and i actually think a lot of the reason why tar i think the reason why target's doing that artisan program and they've done multiple ones over mm -hmm. for the last 20 years i think a big reason why they do it is they know their consumer is increasingly caring about transparency in the supply chain and mm -hmm. about this whole host of sustainability, ethical practices, social responsibility, you know, environmental things, women's rights, all this stuff is starting to, it's starting to become important to a bigger and bigger portion of their mm -hmm. population. So that's mm -hmm. one reason why they do it. And the other reason why they do it is because their employees want to do it. Mm -hmm. right? oh, yeah. okay. Well, it's sort of like now so, how all of a sudden <laughs> a lot of people have become aware of sex trafficking and it's uh -huh. like, um, that's been going on a while. And guess what? <laughs> guess who's known about it? The fair trade industry. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. to where now all of these people, all of a sudden their eyes are open and it's like, yeah, no, this has been actually going on for a really long, for time. A long time. And yeah. a lot of people have been aware about it, you know, yeah. but now it's more mainstream. And yeah. so I think stuff yeah. catches on. 
Yeah. Which I think is an interesting conversation with Jonna as an interior designer to have about fair trade, because I feel like a lot of the, I'm going to call it fair trade look. Is that like, yeah, it's, well, it's like the boho is really yes. popular right now. Yeah. And, it, and I think that that has also contributed to what you were just saying, Karen, about, you know, a larger number of people are becoming aware and caring about issues, but they also want to be fashionable. Yeah, <laughs> they also 100%. want to be on trend. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I think that has also contributed to, you know, Target and other kind of more mainstream. It's not just world market doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you see it, yeah. that look and that um, hopefully the, the actual principles at play uh, with, with the look, um, you know. Well, oh, I have my places. African baskets going up our stairwell and all the time people message me and they're like, hey, where did you get your African baskets? I want to be like, Africa. <laughs> like, guess, guess where they didn't come from? World Market, you know, but my cousin FaceTimed yeah. me the other day from World Market and she was, she's like, I love this whole look. And, um, and I said, yeah, I said, if you want to add some, go on Etsy or go, you know, and I sent her our friend Kelsey's shop. And um, I was like, there's so many in Mango and Maine. I said, these are places that you know that they're coming from a good source. Mm -hmm. yeah. And to mm -hmm. me, it's a story. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. so much of it's a story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Karen, what do you think, um, as a consumer, if you go all in fair trade, what has to happen for you? Like what, what's the shift in your mind? So I think, um, <clears throat> so I think one is kind of the first realization is that, and I think it's actually like the root in some ways, the best part of fair trade is that you realize that as a consumer, the way you spend money makes a difference in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so just like, just, just opening that, that first step. So, so maybe it's like going gluten-free. You realize like, gluten is <laughs> bad for your body. It's scary. You're going to have to give right? up something. And it gets through everything. And so just, and also just yeah. be really forgiving. So just think about like, okay, where, you know, that's a big part of it is like, realizing we're a consumer nation, right? Two thirds mm -hmm. of our GDP as the US is, right. is us consuming things. So yep. especially during these weird, wacky, uncertain, you know, super tense times, like how can we today do something that's gonna, that's going to help us build the world that we wanna live in, right? Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. easiest thing that we could do is how we spend our money. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first step is just thinking about like, okay, I'm going to make a commitment to be more intentional about how I spend my money to, to build the world that I want to live in. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's the, and I think that's the crux of fair trade, right? The crux of mm -hmm. fair trade is that you can use trade commerce, buying and selling things to do for, to, to do social good. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the one thing. Then the next thing is um, be curious and ask questions, right? Mm -hmm. So, and you're not going to ask questions of the product that you're looking at in the, <laughs> right, in the things, but just, um, just uh, you know, decide kind of, just spend more time researching the products that you purchase. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be, you know, don't look for perfection in anything, just look mm -hmm. for intention. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Um, that's a, that's a life motto okay, right there. Done. Because once you, do, <laughs> yeah, once you look for perfection, you're going to be constantly judging and that's not going to mm -hmm. help any of us. Right. But mm -hmm. if we look for the intention behind it mm -hmm. and try to, then we're going to become more educated on it and we're going to support somebody else who's, 
you know, on this path to uh-huh. support things. So are you writing that down, Laura? I am. Yeah. I make a graphic for that. For next. Next. That is <laughs> a good one, huh? My highlighter. I, I know. I know. I love that. I love that. And that's, it is, it's such a good reminder about um, just life in general, but especially about as you approach fair trade products is because it's not, everything is not going to look the same. You're not going to pick up you know, the baskets, the stack of baskets on the target shelf, and they all look exactly the same yeah. um, because there was that they, they were handmade and they yeah. were, um, it's not just, you know, mass produced like that. And I love that. Just what a beautiful reminder. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And when your kids make just... something, it's, you know, the intention behind it. It's not <laughs> yeah. that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's precious to you because you know that they made it for you because they loved you. You know, this is when they're little. I mean, I'm not looking for crap now from them. Like, <laughs> I, want, I want perfection. Yeah. So put, so put your fruit loop necklace on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to eat that. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Okay. So, um, spending money, being curious and asking questions. So let's talk about that. Did you have another point? Okay. So that, that being curious and asking questions. So this is something that I feel like as a consumer, I'm going to have confessional time here. I have gotten a little spoiled with instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Are you talking Amazon prime? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to buy now that. option. <laughs> I'm just saying that that can be a, a definite kind of trip up with fair trade is, is if you slow down and ask questions and do the research, you d- often don't walk out of the store with the thing that you're wanting. Um, uh, and I think that is one of those things that we have to, as consumers, we have to overcome. It can't be, um, I think the term is fast fashion, um, that you can apply that to whatever, but like fast, whatever, um, in, in that. So how do we, how do we, how do we trick ourselves, Karen? Into mm, <laughs> um, I mean, I think you probably have to make that commitment to buy fewer, better things, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and, and be gentle on yourself. Don't, you know, it does not like you have to like suddenly convert your whole life, right? Yeah, but to, yeah, yeah. is there a way that you could buy fewer and better things? Um, and, and is, and, and probably also just decide like, okay, I'm not going to be able to buy fair trade to everything. I'm not going to be able to do it for all the stuff for my kids. And I'm not going to be able to do it at the grocery store. And I'm not going to be able mm-hmm. to do it for, right. you know, kind of those um, chore purchases, right? Mm-hmm. We call them chore purchases, the things that you just need and darn it, you need it at the best price and most right. delivered mm-hmm. to your door, but instead try, you know, do it for the things that you're going to buy for yourself. Or do it for the things that you're going to buy for gifts for the next mm-hmm. year, right? Just choose one place in your purchases where you can, you are going to have to pay a little bit more and you are going to have to pay, you are going to have to wait a little bit longer mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right about those things. But well, I think the flip side of it is that once you get hooked on it and once you realize mm-hmm. that the product makes you feel better mm-hmm. about yourself, about the world, about, you know, there is nothing better than having a beautiful handmade product that makes you feel beautiful because you know that that producer, the person who made it somehow, right, is picking Mm -hmm. up on those vibes that you feel beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's like the most empowering thing that you do for them. 
mm-hmm. right? Is when you value not just their time and labor, right? Which is the crux of fair trade is that you're paying a fair wage, right? Mm-hmm. And fair wage is liberating for people who've not had a fair wage. Um, but the other part of it is that you are valuing their product, right? And the beauty mm-hmm. of their product. And that's the one that builds dignity. Mm-hmm. So when I would say one thing that was always <coughs> so hard to answer, um, one of our, um, with like even just noonday for an example, people would always say, well, what, like, well, how much does the artisan get from this product? Mm, yeah, and I'm like, um, I know <laughs> they make fair trade, you know, and I would always, because I felt like if I didn't have the answer, therefore I'd look like I was lying and that mm-hmm. was not the case. I just know that the same way, I don't know your salary, you don't know mine. Like, right. I, you know, fair trade is different in each area. Yeah. And maybe even if you just kind of explain exactly what a fair trade wage is, like yeah. what, or how it's measured by, like, if you're talking about the fair trade organization, like, how did they mm-hmm. determine fair trade? Yeah. Like, it's different in Rwanda right. versus Guatemala mm-hmm. versus, 100%, you know. A hundred percent. So, um, so what you want to try to figure out is what we call a living wage. Mm-hmm. So in any country, they have, you know, what their national minimum wage is. Mm-hmm. In certain countries, you know, in India, every state has a min, a min, an established minimum wage, just like we do here in the U.S., so, which is, which is great. So some people in the fair trade world say, okay, I'm going to take the minimum wage and I'm going to pay 25% above that. And that's what's going to be my fair wage. The real, like the best way to go about doing it is to try to establish for the community of people that you're employing, what is a living wage. So a living wage is you take a group and they get to participate in it too, right? So you take a sampling of people from that group or the entire group, if you want to. And you figure out what does it cost for them to live? Mm. Right? So mm-hmm. how many people are they supporting um, in their family? Because mm-hmm. we're living, you know, it's places where there's going to be multiple generations that they're supporting. And um, how many people are bringing income into the house? And what are all of the expenses they, they have in order to send their children to school, in order to have a nutritional diet, in order to make improvements on, on their home, in order to have savings, in order to cover health care, right? So sort of those big things. And then have a cushion, <clears throat> right? Mm-hmm. So not just savings, but an actual cushion there. And that, so you do that for that population of people and you figure out what is the, what is a true living wage. So that's the ideal of what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So it's a participation mm-hmm. of the artisans in establishing what that wage is and looking at really what is a healthy, sustainable, you know, thriving life look like mm-hmm. for them and what mm-hmm. does that cost? Um, so and then, um, yeah, so it's the participation and then it's just transparency through the chain. Mm. So to me, it doesn't matter what percentage of the, of the end retail price went to artisans. Yeah. And I would have to say, you know, I've worked with artisans. I've worked with probably thousands of artisans, over a thousand. Yeah, no big, yeah. you know, Oprah. so many, so many. You artisans. get an artisan, you get an artisan. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I will say, you know, the number of them, they don't care what their percentage yeah. of the end retail prices. What they care about is having a fair wage and having a sustainable wage, right? They're just mm-hmm. like us. We don't want to have like, okay, this week we get paid and next week we don't because there's no orders, yeah. right? They want consistent income and they want it to be paid a fair wage. So mm-hmm. it's not the percentage of the retail price that they care about. It's like, do I have a paycheck that's going to cover all of my, make sure that I live 
comfortably and with security? And am I going to have that over a long enough period of time that I have, that I feel the stability of it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think as Americans, especially, we have such a warped idea of comfortability and, yeah. you know, comfortability. And it's like, we put that, our, we put all that we know on these other people and it's not the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think we just take for granted all of the things that we have, you know, the fact that I can send my kids to school, a public school that's provides a great education and it's of little to no cost to me. Yeah. And that's just not the same across the globe. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Really I good. mean, a lot of, a lot of places for you to send your kid, even to the public school that mm. you have to be able to have enough money to buy the uniform that they have to show up in mm. the public school. So, mm -hmm. and books know, and, and it all does, the other yeah, it does yeah. cost. So. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, so I, something that I will always remember from, I think Ecuador might've been my first artisan trip and I will never forget. We went to the, um, was it Atavalo, the largest mm -hmm. open air market in South yeah. America. And um, I remember Luis and Marina, we had been in their home and then we had gone to see like their booth in the market. And I remember, I think it was her that said, you know, we used to come to the market because we had to sell our goods in order to get through the week. But because of the consistent orders at that, for them, it was with noonday. Um, now they came to the market for social reasons, like just mm -hmm. to hang out with people. The same and reason like, we're there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like having a cup of coffee, hanging out with your mm -hmm. friends. But that to me was so, it was just a point at which I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I, you, you have, we have to do better. We have to, you know, make better decisions to where, you know, people aren't, because there was this, I think that was the first time too, that I had sensed that desperation walking through a market of artisans who didn't have that security. Mm -hmm. And it was like the, the overwhelming, like buy my goods, buy my goods just over and yeah. over again. And, and then there was Luisa Marina sitting back, like, you know, we got this. this yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like check it out if you want to, but we're good. We're going to go home and take care of these orders. Like it was just this and not in a, not in a uh, flippant way, but like just that security that comes from knowing. A peace. Yeah. Yes. Sense of yeah. peace. Uh, that yeah. will, that, that was very, um, that was kind of a, a pivotal moment for me. So um, kind of to lead into the, the next thing, we've talked a little bit about consumers. Talk to us and tell us some, some of your favorite story, artisan stories, like where you saw those, those things happen for artisan groups, where orders or um, just a, a bigger market in general just had a huge impact on groups. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, I would say, well, I did a lot of work in Guatemala. So prior to in one of my earlier chapters, I had a wholesale business. I read that book. I had a wholesale business. So I, um, I started a wholesale business and I had it for five years and then I sold it. It's actually still around. It's called Melange. I think they sell directly to consumer too. Anyways, so we did these little beaded Christmas ornaments from Guatemala and we worked with um, a group in um, outside of Lake Atitlan. And, you know, the first time we went to go visit them, um, it was a, it was a guy in his house and then he distributed all the orders to the women in the, in his community. And, you know, the first time we went to go visit him, he was in a, in a one bedroom 
home with his family. And the next time we went to go visit him, he had built on, like he had separated a kitchen, right? And put a kitchen on the outside of the family. So you could see these like tangible improvements. And the next time we went, there was like, there was a second floor apartment, you know, second floor to his house. And I mean, you could just see the tangible, right? Improvements of their livelihoods. And all of his kids went to school. His kids have now gone on to college. Um, and, you know, and then, and then to watch the other families that worked with him, sending their kids to school, sending their kids off to the bigger city to go to high school, sending them off to the capital to go to college, right? So it's really like, it's run education and home where I see that real impact. Um, and I have, you know, dozens and dozens of stories like that, but when, the, so it's about somewhere between two thirds to 80%. It's hard because the artisan sector is so informal and there's not really good numbers on it, mm -hmm. but somewhere between two thirds and 80% of the of artisans that are working for like commercial purposes are women. And what we see is that those women, when they earn income, they invest it in feeding their family and like groceries and education. Mm -hmm. And so you just see that, you know, you see it in That's the faces right. of people, you see it in the trajectory of, of careers. So cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. And I've seen, you know, so many of the entrepreneurs who are leading these artists and businesses around the world, you know, they're, they, they really embody to me fair trade principles. You know, it's us that get to learn from them because they're motivated to work in, work with craft skills that are indigenous to their area. So they're like, okay, what, what skills do people have here and how can I make my community better by bringing them more income by working with those skills, right? Well, there are these skills that are passed down for generations, generations which is yeah. so beautiful. And it's, it's, so it's, an, it's a cultural and it's an economic asset, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which then you don't want to get me down that whole like <laughs> economic value of culture. Cause that's a whole nother rabbit hole that I'll talk mm -hmm. about forever. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. Okay. Um, let's see. We had Johnny, you want to ask about her travel? Yeah. Oh, actually, I, I have one more other really good oh, question. Oh, well, one it, more good. And it. then to the hold, hold on, Jen, I'll definitely answer your question too. But yeah. the, the other thing, like the thing that I probably will make me cry more than anything else in these. Oh, great. And we saw this with like the noonday trips, right? When you go, um, when you go and you visit an artisan group that you've been working with and you're wearing their products. Yes. Right? And then you show them their products in this beautiful magazine. Like that is, that is totally undescribable impact that you're having on those people that build up their sense of like, like dignity and value. And like worth probably. And worth totally. Like they're fine to get all those orders and income, right? That's absolute necessity. But when they then see these American women, right? <laughs> who think that their products are beautiful, right? That mm -hmm. is, that's a sense of pride and dignity that is, that's irreplaceable, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like we could even put ourselves in those shoes. I mean, if I'm, if I've made something that then people wanted to buy and wear, like, I mean, the pride that I would feel. So you multiply that yeah. by someone that has felt, you know, 
yeah. less than it's yeah. insane. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. No, and just going okay. into, I mean, I, I remember just going into it's in Guatemala and Ecuador, but just going in and then being like, you know, all whispering to each other and pointing because you're wearing <laughs> something they made and then they can like look at it and almost like maybe kind of tell you which one of them made it. <laughs> um, especially if it was like a specific, you know, skill set. And it's just, and then you like, I'm like proud. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, and I'm not going to wear something that I don't think is beautiful for this. I mean, other people, you know, might be like, well, that's, you know, but it's, I'm going to wear what I like to feel good. And in turn, it's like giving her pride and self-worth. Like that's just, I don't know why you wouldn't. And I mean, yeah, there's going to be, you know, you buy something from Target that's fair trade. You might not ever meet the person that made that, but I mean, whenever reorders happen, they know that that item was purchased. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, okay. I love it. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty. Where <laughs> is your favorite place you've ever traveled? Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's like asking your favorite kid, but. <laughs> so I have this, like, I have this total um, place in my heart for Armenia. Okay. So- yeah, that was out of nowhere. Did not yeah. see that uh-huh. come in, Karen Gibbs. Writing that down to look it up later. I don't even know where that is. Yeah. Uh, that's where the Kardashians are from. Um, <laughs> okay. It, it Again, a lot of people's <laughs> last names who end in I A N are okay, and it's like, yeah. um, it's a very tight knit culture. Yeah, so yeah. that was just a just very special place. A lot of it's about, it's about the people. Mm-hmm. Um, to a large degree it's about the history of craft there it's about the time that I you know when I went there it was after a really 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 difficult time um, in their lives where yeah they were cutting down trees in this capital in order to burn them for fuel to stay warm I mean it was really 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 desperate time and just to watch how they came out of that um, so that's a really special place I mean I love Peru it's mm-hmm. like definitely it has a very special place in my heart because of the people and because of the craft it always um, goes back to the people mm-hmm. i mean always this is what it's what it's all about right but i think that's what we're missing as a cult like just as a generation is we're so glued to our screens and we're so glued to you know the next thing that we stop and miss the connection yeah and and in reality you're missing everything and maybe that's also part of what fair trade is right it's trying to make a connection with that product mm-hmm. that you're buying in a different way than you yeah. normally do right it's not just yeah um, mass purchases and- yeah i also have a really um i did some work in ghana west africa it's a place that will forever forever super casual <laughs> yeah but yeah. i really like every place there's been very few places that I've gone that I didn't. I'll say one thing, my husband, he's traveled to Rwanda a few times. And one thing that has just always stuck with him is how hopeless as Americans we can feel like we just, you know, get so, and he said, they literally have just their daily bread. They have just enough to get. And he said, but they are so filled with joy and a sense of community. He's like, it's contagious. He's like, I would sell everything and move there, you know, because that way of life, you know, looking at it, it's like, you think you're going there to help them, but you're the one that gets helped and you come back and it's just, well, I just know even traveling, you know, it's, you go into these homes and you see this as a community and, um, you know, in Guatemala, the brother and sister that work together, it's just like, 
it's so it's the way that it should be and it's somehow they've kept things basic I guess and we've advanced so much but in a way we've fallen back so much mm-hmm. because we've just kind of weeded out the community and weeded out you know family but yeah um, okay I couldn't agree. So what would you tell someone that is in college Mm -hmm. and here's this and they're like, okay, I think I would want to get involved in fair trade. Like what path should they take? Like where should they change their major? Should they like, how should they move forward? How do they get? Yeah. Um, So, so I think what they can do is they can go onto the Fair Trade Federation or the World Fair Trade Organization website, and mm-hmm. they can look at what, a, what those nine or 10 principles are mm-hmm. um, and choose one or two of them that they feel passionate about. So it's about, in, you know, it's about transparency in the supply chain. It's about um, advocating for fair trade. It's about environmental issues. It's about non-discrimination. It's about no child labor. It's about fair wage. Um, so choose a couple other ones that I can't rattle off right now. There you go. Shows you how yeah. lowercase f, lowercase t I am. Yeah. Choose one <laughs> of those, right? And, um, and, um, and see how they can study those, integrate those into their studies. Because really, this is not about trying to go work for a fair trade company. I mean, it could be mm-hmm. a fair trade company. Yeah. What this is about, if we really want this, if we really believe in the principles of fair trade and believe that they are the solution to some of the world's problems and to some of our problems here in the US. Mm. Guess what guys, the answer then, is yes. <laughs> then yeah, the answer is totally yes, if you ask me. But anyways, the way you're probably gonna make a more big, the biggest difference, either you're going to go work for a fair trade company or you're going to take one of those principles and help work with other companies to build that principle into their work. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Uh, 100%. So don't think about like, well, I want to work with, I want to work for an artisan brand. No, don't think about that. Think about like, okay, let's try to figure out how some, some of these retail Mm -hmm. businesses are working Mm -hmm. and then figure out how the retail business works study how the artisan sector works, and then you can figure out ways to bring artisan products into the retail sector. Mm-hmm. That's my that. biggest recommendation. Or is it around women's rights, right? Or is it around mm-hmm. anti-trafficking? Or is it around, mm-hmm. you know what, choose one of those topics, study that, mm-hmm. understand yeah. that topic, and figure out how you're going to integrate it into, let's say, conventional business. Because right. we have, uh, at Mississippi State, we have a supply chain concentration. Uh-huh. So that would be like, when I think about what our students would gear toward, obviously marketing major with a supply chain concentration, that would be yep. like something that they could, like they you could were saying, that. just yep. focusing or, on that. Or, you know, marketing such a big part of it. So mm-hmm. how, what's the next phase of, what is the next phase of fair trade mm-hmm. and sustainability and ethical shopping, right? Mm-hmm. How, what's the next way that we're going to kind of market this and communicate this to consumers? Right. I do think one of the things, thinking about marketing, one of the things that I, I believe has kind of catapulted the, the fair trade um, into the conversation to mainstream conversation is the trend in retailing about storytelling because that is huge. We talk about that at the end of the semester, just like how important storytelling is to, to getting your product in front Mm -hmm. of the consumer. My husband sells, he is in insurance education. So they certify insurance agents, but they have this whole deal. It's called the storytelling brand. And it's all about storytelling. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're, if it works for, 
nerdy insurance agents, you know, I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. A hundred percent. But, but I know just for me, like even with clients, you know, that I get excited, just even like West Elm, Crate and Barrel, CB2, like all these companies that are coming along and making fair trade cool, you know, yeah. uh, anthropology, you know, anthropology, things like that, that it is including it into your everyday. It doesn't have to be just some, you know, weird, you know, popsicle, popsicle stick figure that you're like, yeah. did a good job. Here's yeah. Husk no. Oh yeah. You know? Made well, made well is doing all oh, the my gosh. jeans and, yes. yeah. and I think also it's, it's fine too. Um, you know, fair trade is a great term as sort of an entry point, but there's all kinds of other, you know, there's all the sustainability and, um, uh, kind of movement and circular design and mm -hmm. you know if we look at kind of the crux of there's just such overlap of values between fair trade and some of these other mm -hmm. mm -hmm. taking hold in the market awesome yeah, I love it well Karen this has been so good it's I've, I think I've taken like two pages of notes um while we've been talking Laura texted me <laughs> while we were talking and she goes I love her so much oh. <laughs> With all these exclamation points. You guys. Yeah. It's so nice. Clearly, I could talk on and on. We could listen. I know. But here's what I'll leave you with one last thing, and, and I'm sure you okay, guys. Okay, my pen ready. I know, pen ready. <laughs> so I, I started out in this world by working for a nonprofit organization that's called Aid to Artisans. And, um, you know, they definitely launched my career and passion in this, which was awesome. But I was at an event once where Aid to Artisans was giving an award to Jacqueline or Larson. You probably know mm. Jack Larson, Jack mm -hmm. Larson Textiles. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, so because he'd done all this amazing work in Thailand with the Weavers. And he, um, and he was a man of sort of few words, but very impressive, you know, uh -huh. when he spoke. So we gave him this award and he turned to this big, we were in this huge fancy design showroom in New York. And he turned to the audience and he said, I have only one thing to say. And he said, you need to change the name of the organization because it's not aid to artisans. It's artisans aid us. Oh, and I was I like, that. of course. And it is like, this is, um, you know, it's for all of those producers out there who are making handmade things and who are, you know, practicing fair trade principles in remote parts of the world, right? Mm -hmm. we're not helping them ultimately mm. they're helping us because mm. they're giving us a beautiful product that lives up to these ethics that you know somehow we've now decided we care about right but they've yes. been caring about the whole time you know mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yes them so not so much more but we need them just as much as they need us mm. so just mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. think of it as like an equal partnership that like together we're going to make the world to together we're going to improve the world this mm. is yeah. not about wealthy white Americans, you know, spending their money. That white savior oh. mentality. Yeah. yeah. New, 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 new. It's just truly, it is truly not that way, you know? Mm. So yeah. um, anyways, that's my last soapbox. Love it. I love I mean, it. You can work in, uh, work in Thailand with the beavers and, I know. you know, and drop <laughs> a truth nugget. I mean, Lord. Casual conversation. <laughs> you know, here. Just doing some work in Thailand with the beavers. So I'm gonna need to look up what work that was. So, but I do. I love that. I think just so much. We want to make things about us because it makes us feel good. In reality, it doesn't. Um, it's so often whenever we take the us out of it 
and make it about other people is when you really benefit. So totally, this true. has been, this has been like a church, like a church sermon. This is no, good. No, I've, I've taken more notes uh, from Karen. Notes? Don't, don't, I mean, t- yeah. I know, don't tell the Rev I took more notes from your session than I did from sermon <laughs> on Sunday. Um, Karen, I am going to ask you this, and, and this is something you can do later. Um, not, I'm not putting you on the spot here, but if you have resources like books that people should read, if this is something that piques their interest and they want to know more. Um, Maybe your go-to starter kit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like how do you get started? Send those to us and we will link those in the show notes for everybody to, to, um, because I do think this is an ongoing, this is not like a, you know, Oh, pivot, you know, like this is an ongoing conversation and figuring out what it looks like for your life and for your community and for your family. Because like you said, you know, it's really hard to just go all in today. Like you, you know, it has to be a, um, for most people, a gradual shift. Um, looking for ways that they can work fair trade into their lives. And so thank you so, so much for your time and for being here with us. We love you so much. Love love you you. too, guys. Have an awesome weekend. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Wow. So many notes from that session. I hope that it was helpful to you if you are new to the fair trade arena. And even if you aren't, I know that there were some nuggets that you'll take away because Karen is so wise. She is just, she's one of my favorite people, y'all. I'll just be honest. Um, So this was like a dream to be able to hang out with Jonna and Karen all in one one phone call. So we hope that it was enjoyable. We hope that you loved it. We hope that you laughed with us, um, but also that you learned a lot as we launch into this month of focus on fair trade. And next week we are going to be talking to our friend, Abby, who is the founder of Abby Alley. Um, so if you want to go check out her social media, you can check her out there on Instagram. I think she's also on Facebook. Check out her website. Um, you are going to love her as well. Um, she is, uh, doing some really cool things with jewelry and leather bags. And um, you can check it out at abbyalley.com. It's A-B-B-Y-A-L-L-E-Y.com, abbyalley.com. So check it out and join us next week when we visit with Abby and continue our focus on fair trade for October. Settle down, girls.